0: Hello, welcome to the Dear Writer podcast. I'm Sarah.
1: And I'm Ashley. We're two aspiring collaborative authors sharing our writing journey with you. The ups, the downs, and everything in between.
0: Whether you're just starting out or a more experienced writer, we hope that you'll find this podcast inspiring and thought-provoking. And here's the show. Hey everyone, welcome back to Dear Writer. Today we are recording episode number 100, which I'm so excited about. <laughs> so exciting.
1: <laughs> it's... Woo-hoo. I've been counting down to this. I had it all written out on my calendar. I was like, oh my gosh, <laughs> it's coming up. It's coming up. A
0: hundred episodes. So it's a very special milestone for us, I think, um, as podcasters. And we are happy to have you guys here with us and listening to us. So if you're new, then welcome. And if you've been listening to us for a while, then thank you for supporting us. Yes,
1: yes. There's no podcast without listeners. So <laughs> it's definitely. I don't even know if I thought at the start we'd get to episode 100. I'm trying to think back. Like, I
0: don't know. <laughs> I just don't even know. <laughs> well, when we started, we were doing it very, like, I think we have one episode a month, did we not? Yeah, yeah, that's true. Which. That would have taken us a very long time. (laughs) Years. (laughs) Years. (laughs) Almost a decade. (laughs) Whereas now we're, you know, doing one per week. And so it goes a lot faster. But at the same time, we have been doing this for a couple of years now. So it goes quickly. It does go quickly. (laughs) It's strange to think that it's been several years since we began this podcast. And it's gone through some
1: very positive changes, I think, as well. Just kind of, sorry, reminiscing in my mind while I'm talking here. Like, oh yeah, we (laughs) did that, we did that. Anyways, (laughs) we should definitely (laughs) jump into this episode. So last week, we talked about the micro versus macro of pretty much description and characterization um, in your novels. And this week, we're going to be talking about it more from a structural perspective and a technique perspective, which hopefully will give a little bit of a different flavor to what we had last week. Yeah. And I actually found quite an interesting quote. It's not about writing, but when I was researching generally this topic, um, it made me think of this and then I had to go find like where the quote came from. (laughs) So (laughs) I had to include it. So the quote is, you find out life's this game of inches, so is football. Because in either game, life or football, the margin for error is so small. I mean, one half uh, one half a step too late or too early and you don't quite make it. One half second too slow, too fast, and you don't quite catch it. Um, so that's from Any Given Sunday, uh, movie in 1999. And I think this applies quite... To- <laughs> well to writing with Mm -hmm. macro and micro details yeah you know a lot goes into writing a novel but it's often the small details that make the average slash quite generic story into a story that people remember so I thought we could talk a little bit about that how can small details
0: take something that's a bit average (laughs) and make it better well firstly I wanted to um, say I used to do um Equestrian show jumping, and this quote just really made me think of show jumping as well because you have to line your horse up exactly right in the exact right spot to be able to make the jump. Because if you place him like too far close to the jump or too far back, then you're probably going to take a rail um, and knock the jump over. So I really did relate to this. I was like, oh, that's very similar. Um. <laughs> I'm but glad. you know it, it can relate to writing as well, um, so it's very universal kind of thing. But I would say having just enough small details makes literally a whole world of difference. <laughs> <laughs> the reader can visualize the scene, which is so important, but not only that is that the reader, when given enough small details and not too much the reader can also build on that scene in their mind's eye and fill in the details of what's not said if the finer details are done right so I think it's really about hitting the mark in exactly the right spot that makes the reader's experience a unique experience for the reader but also um I feel like great novels and great media bring out like a lot of different issues in the world um, and a lot of different themes. But the way they do it is in a myriad of like little details that like, you know, when you watch like a movie sometimes and you can watch it over and over and you spot like a new thing each time. I feel like every reader is going to take something different from your novel. And if you've done the small details, right you're going to get that experience of like when you read, read it again, oh, like this is set up for that. and like, oh, wow, I didn't notice that smaller detail. And I think that's what makes a sort of average novel really amazing is if it's done in such a way that you notice different things each time or different readers might notice different things. It's the best thing when you've
1: read a novel for like the second time and you've picked up on like the really small like funny details that the writer's included and you're like, "Oh my gosh, <laughs> I didn't notice this the <laughs> yeah. first time. This is great." <laughs> exactly. Yeah. So, when I was thinking about this, I the first thing that came to mind was how we've talked about how in a few of our now gone talking shop episodes we came across the concept that almost everything has already been written and you know a lot of the plots and stories that you read have been written already it's just you putting like a fresh spin on it and that's kind of where my mind went first if you think about a lot of the books you love there's usually the very bones of the story have been told before by someone else so it's all about how you as the author have made this story new and fresh given it some sort of your own flair and all of that has to do with a lot of the smaller details that you're including in your novel so and those are usually the things that resonate most with your readers you know maybe one of the characters is obsessed with the same band that you are, perhaps (laughs) Um, (laughs) maybe it's the subtleties in how your characters speak that really draws the readers to your work or maybe it's the small unique details in the world where the story is set that are different to works that have been done previously maybe it's the way that you as the author craft your sentences perhaps it's your own your writing style your cadence all of that that's contributing to why readers are drawn into your story But I think all of these small details are what make your novel unique and what make the story have, I guess, a different mood or a different feel compared to other stories that might have a very similar plot to your own. That's kind of how I thought about it. So moving on to the next question, I thought we could talk about how each of us approach writing I guess a generic scene from one of our novels with a particular focus on how you'd write it from a macro sort
0: of perspective and then the micro perspective. So Sarah. To me kind of regarding scene structure, the macro is kind of how you get from point A to point B. So the big plot points. And as we talked about last week, you know how the characters major traits integrate with these big plot points. I, I, often find sort of working from a macro perspective initially um, is how I tend to work, which is why my scenes are often kind of short and to the point and sometimes a little bit choppy when I write them. So, you know, they can be a little bit choppy when I first write the scene. And it's later that I go through the scene and add the micro details to fill it out and make the scene feel authentic to the reader. Though I do find there are moments when maybe it's not necessary to go through a point in great detail, say, I don't know, if the character's having breakfast or something, Um, often there are things that don't need to be included. And in these cases, I will scene skip and jump forward in time using a paragraph break. But I think it's important when you do this, though, that you link the scenes together in some way so it doesn't make the reader feel like they're being jolted from scene to scene. So
1: when I'm considering writing a scene, I always first think about the macro details as well. I like to have an idea in my mind where the scene has to go, what needs to happen, and that includes, the you know, the plot points, if there are any that need to be included, and things like where does the scene need to start so both temporal and also like physically where does it need to start and who needs to be there what needs to happen and then i usually start writing the scene but then i have now got into a habit of adjusting it as i go a lot more i used to just quickly write the scene and then put in all of you know the details afterwards but now i tend to write a few sentences and then add some detail to, you know, make it, (laughs) I'll go into that in a sec, Um, better. Uh, And then, you know, add some more macro and then add some more micro. So that's sort of what I've been doing recently, especially in our ancient Greece book. I don't know why, but in the ancient Greece book, for some reason, that seems to be my new tendency. So with respect to the micro details, the first thing I usually think about is whether or not my scene has the right kind of mood that I'm trying to convey. Maybe this is why in the Ancient Greece book, I tend to <laughs> kind of try and add in the micro details a lot more as, as I go, rather than write a whole scene and then mm-hmm. add them all in. Because I feel like it has to feel ancient greasy. Because <laughs> <laughs> otherwise it feels weirdly modern sometimes and it is, I don't know, it just feels wrong. And so that makes me think about what kind of details I can add to get the right mood across. Um, And do my characters feel right as well? I think that might be another reason because you need to, at least I find that you want our characters that live in ancient Greece to feel like they've always lived in ancient Greece versus your characters that have come from the modern day kind of want to make sure that they still,
0: you know, feel right. Sounds very wishy-washy. <laughs> I think you need enough visualization of the scene in order to be able to include the micro details. Because if you can't see the scene as you're going from point to point, then it's going to be really hard to include those micro details and you're probably going to not be able to convey the mood very well. But then at the same time, it does really depend on how you work because sometimes I'll be like, ah. Oh, we've discussed this before where i get stuck and i'm like ah i don't know what type of lighting is used in ancient greece i'll just like sort of highlight this part and then come back to it later and then i continue with like the macro and then i'll go back and do some my research go back put the lighting in and be like oh they used oil lamps okay so i think it kind of depends on your style of writing and how much research you want to have under your belt first before jumping in versus how much you do after and then add retrospectively. Yes. Is that the right word? Yes.
1: Yes, it is the right word. <laughs> um, a couple of things I do make sure that I do after I finish writing, the whole scene is focusing on things that uh I guess more technical, especially pacing. I tend to, after I've written my scene and you know, done my macro and most of my micro details, I do go back and that's when I like to adjust whether it's going too fast or too slow. Mm-hmm. I definitely don't do that <laughs> during like the initial writing phase because that's, I think that's too much. You don't think you can get a good feel for it until you have the whole scene written, whether it's been a bit too fast been a bit too slow um you know do I need to change uh, change my sentence lengths or sentence structures in some places because some you know sometimes you read through like, that feels very repetitive or you know I think it needs something a bit punchier here <laughs> to break it up a bit so that those are the kind of things I definitely look at after I've written the scene rather than while I'm writing the scene so mm-hmm. it's kind of a brief overview of how I attempt <laughs> to think about the macro and the micro in writing a scene and that leads quite well into our approaches to editing from a macro and micro view as well you mentioned at the start of the previous uh half of this uh episode that you know editing from a macro versus micro view is quite interesting that's kind of what we've been doing a lot of recently with our uh, <laughs> yeah. teen fiction books so do you want to go first sarah
0: yeah so like what I said last week, I I usually look at one element at a time and kind of as building on what I said before as well is that I tend to write more concisely and so often it means adding micro details so that the chapter feels balanced and so it's not just they did this, they did that and voila, they're <laughs> voila, they're in like, you know this new city or whatever <laughs> yeah. with very little in between you're like okay that was short and sweet and boring um <laughs> but that said with darkness set 3, free as we we're talking about there have been large passages that are too wordy and so <laughs> i.e some of them have too much micro and yes we found a lot of this with like the introspective sort of stuff going on in the chapters where like our characters start thinking about something and they go off on like this huge tangent and then you're like, is that even necessary? <laughs> and then they're interrupted by dialogue and you're like, Oh, <laughs> okay. <laughs> right. <laughs> oh, they're speaking now. <laughs> or like when they speak and then they continue thinking and you're like, Oh, we stop speaking. <laughs> but like, so I feel like micro can be, not only too much description, but also sometimes too much thought, like inner thoughts coming through. If you kind of lean on the more micro side when you're writing, then you're probably going to need to sort of trim down some of that in the editing. Editing, as we have been, well, we will be doing. <laughs> yeah.
1: <laughs> Although we didn't used to be like that, so it just seems that darkness set us free. Is this weird anomaly book.
0: Yeah, that's what I was saying. Usually I, I have like not enough words. So I don't know <laughs> what not quite happened there. With the macro, it's about to me the flow of the story and ensuring it all makes sense when it's put together. Um, so too much micro and you lose the point of the macro and the plot line and not enough micro and you can't visualize the scenes. So you really do want a balance. Again when you're talking about moving from scene to scene, or maybe I'll, I'll discuss some of the things that you can do to actually edit and fix things. <laughs> um, And the next question is probably the best way to go. Makes sense. I agree that
1: when you're thinking about macro and editing, you're basically just looking at whether the story makes sense or not, I think, in very broad terms. And I feel like When you're doing your first draft of edits, uh, sorry, (laughs) working on edits on your first draft, those are usually the macro sort of edits that you're doing. Looking at major plot holes, major errors, major contradictions, those sorts of things, which all contribute to how much sense your story makes, generally speaking. Yeah, And then... I think the phase we're in now with our editing, we've done the major, well, I thought we've done the major for Darkness Setter 3, but I guess that remains to be seen in some spots, I think. But (laughs) generally speaking, we're looking a lot at the micro now, which is, you know, when you start looking at all of those other drafts and um, edits and things where you're looking for whether characters uh, sound right or whether they come across wrong in quotation marks it's always (laughs) hard to (laughs) it sounds amusing but it's hard to exactly articulate sometimes what the problem is not Levi (laughs) like that's wrong
0: (laughs) I don't know what it is but it's wrong I was thinking that actually like in terms of editing when you think about like the types of editing it actually is kind of defined quite well where you look at like the structural editing um, and that's, you know, your overall story and how things link together and like any plot holes and things like that. And then when you think about copy editing, then that's like your micro editing, I feel. Mm, That's a good way to look at it. Yeah. That was just like randomly occurred to me. I was like, actually, they've defined this very well in editing. (laughs) (laughs) And then obviously there's proofing, but that's like, you know, that's proofing's proofing. Yes. (laughs) It is what it is. (laughs)
1: Um, I think other things to think about when you're looking at the micro details are whether, you know, events are happening too fast or too slow. Do your characters feel authentic enough in each scene? Because I find sometimes, you know, there's certain scenes you're like, wow, that really feels like Lizzie. And then other times you're like, "Mm, is this a bit too (laughs) generic? Like, is there something's wrong here? So all of those sorts of edits then come into the the
0: micro view of editing, I think. I think tension and, um, sorry, pacing can, it's a bit of a blurry one, because to me I think of that as like a macro detail because I think of it along with the flow of the story, like is it flowing from one point to another? And so to me, like even though the techniques that you use might be micro, like the whole thing is actually like a macro so I guess that depends on how you look at it
1: yeah well no because I
0: was thinking about it like
1: generally like scene to scene you know does this conversation move too fast or too slow because sometimes you know they'll be talking and they'll like get the point across in like you know two sentences and you're like "Mm, that was a bit more than a two sentence conversation I think like this needs a tiny bit more or they'll like waffle on for ages and you're like I think this needs we can just say this like much shorter as well Lots of different aspects. Mm -hmm. This takes us to our final question, which is whether we have some tips for enhancing the micro in our writing and maybe we've got some tips for um writing macro as well.
0: So Sarah? So the first question, which I guess it covers both macro and micro to a certain extent, is can you visualize the scene? And Even if you can check yourself, so have you described what you see in such a way that the reader can too, Um, or are there details like leaning towards the more micro side that you can see in your mind, which are missing from your writing, or is there too much micro that's interfering with the readability and the plot line might not be easily discernible? Do you need to delete some to bring out the point of the scene, Um, and do for macro do the scenes jump smoothly from one to the next without interrupting the reader's flow um so if not then i'd consider using like often i'll use similar words from the previous scene um like it might just be like a couple of the same words that was used in the last sentence that i then transfer onto the next sentence like obviously i don't repeat the sentence but i just use those words in a new way and sometimes that can be the difference of linking scenes together so that the reader doesn't really like they'll know that there's a time jump but they don't feel jolted from it Mm -hmm. and you know like it can be easily done with time jumps as well where you kind of mention oh we'll i don't know (laughs) i'm trying to think of an example but like you finish the last scene of like. It was going to be a hard, hard work ahead, or something like that. And then, like, yeah. you time jumped to the hard work where it was like, yeah. it was everything we anticipated. <laughs> um, <laughs> so, like, you know, if you link scenes in that way, so, like, even though there's a time jump, it still should link to the previous scene and not be like random and completely off topic where you're like, what, what are we looking at now? (laughs) Um, We were
1: talking about this.
0: Why are we suddenly over here? So that's, and you can even do that from like chapter to chapter. Um, You don't, it doesn't have to be as strict from chapter to chapter, I don't think. Uh, But I feel that if you want your readers to continue reading without putting the book down because that's always what you're aiming for is to be like oh wow I couldn't put this book down right you can do it using like cliffhangers as we've discussed once on like a um, podcast episode a craft episode about endings but you can also like link make links from the previous one to the new chapter so that when they turn the page they're not suddenly like oh actually I oh this is probably a good place to stop and like go to sleep for the night or whatever if you make the link then they'll be like turn the page and it continues from the previous thing and they're like oh I've got to work out what happened like subconsciously and they just keep reading without even realizing that they're on a new chapter <laughs> um, so that's always my goal is that readers <laughs> keep getting a new chapter and then like half don't realize it About pacing, so I again kind of feel like pacing can be classed as a macro kind of thing. So, does the pace suddenly switch from action packed to mind numbingly slow, or vice versa? Even though the fix is kind of micro, I kind of view it as a more macro, is the story flowing? So, maybe add a few sentences to transition the reader from a slow scene to a more action-packed scene because things rarely happen with no warning there are usually clues which build tension before things switch pace so those are my kind of tips i think all very good tips <laughs> <laughs> how about you ashley so i was thinking about
1: the macro first and pants out there aren't gonna like it but i think plotting and planning can really help you get the macro details in place even in the editing phases as well I think sometimes you often run into trouble like you were talking about kind of with pacing and scenes not quite like gelling together properly it can be helpful to think about whether they can be are they well one are they in the right place <laughs> can they be moved like do you need to add extra scenes or take away scenes things like that can help with your macro, with the micro. I hadn't thought of this before, but while you were talking, I was like, it can be really hard as the writer to figure out if you've overdone it with micro details or not. Mm-hmm. I feel like that's where it can be helpful to have someone read over passages. Like, have I lost? I was just like, have I lost the plot? <laughs> I was <about> to say. <laughs> <laughs> Has the plot got lost in the micro details or not? Has <laughs> someone <'Cause laughs> lost the plot? Which is
0: literal the question. <laughs> I've gone crazy. I can't deal with this anymore. You look at it.
1: <laughs> well, basically, it's really hard to be objective uh, sometimes when yeah, you've that's written I said something. like
0: check yourself. <laughs> because even though you think you might have described something Sometimes you can like miss the details that you you're seeing. You're like, oh yeah, no, I've described that perfectly, except like half of it's not on the page. So (laughs) (laughs) yes, so it can be really helpful in those spots to have
1: your lovely beta readers or someone you trust read through and let you know if you're on the right track or not. Sometimes with micro details, it's the adding something small actually ends up with the greatest effect. Yeah. You know, sometimes just having that really short, punchy sentence in the middle of your normal writing has way more effect than if you write a whole paragraph in short sentences, things like that. So you can easily overdo your effect that you're trying to achieve. So often yeah. it can be the easy, well, the easier, shorter fix to bring the effect that you want rather than. Becoming some sort of
0: long winded affair. I think you want like um, strong images that stick with your reader, which is where the micro comes in because even though you're having like one overall point to, and you know, you're getting from point A to point B with the macro, to make it memorable and to pull the readers in, if you provide like one really strong image, I feel like that can really grab the reader's attention and just like pull them right into the book so they're like oh my god what's going to happen next just by like a really small detail that builds a whole image around it Um, yes I agree it
1: doesn't often doesn't need as much as you think it needs I think is (laughs) the takeaway
0: it's easy to get carried away I noticed that with Stephen King's writing, which I think I've mentioned before, you know, like, I was like, ah, so like he'll mention like, you know, the stuff that's happening in the scene and then he'll like hone in on like, I don't know, someone's like shoelaces being knotted strangely or like, and you're like, oh, it doesn't even necessarily have to link overall that much to I think it does link to generally like characterization or something like that. Like it doesn't have no point, but it doesn't necessarily need to be like super important to the plot. Do you know what I mean?
1: Yeah. It's just something
0: that kind of builds the intrigue. Like, why is shoelaces knotted in that way? I'm (laughs) just like making the most random (laughs) like examples here. But you you know what I mean?
1: Yeah. Uh, So that probably brings us to the end of this craft part was there anything else you wanted to add
0: Sarah no I think we um we came across some good points there and I hope everyone took something from it yes me too
1: so with that let's move on to mistakes of the month do you have any mistakes of the month this month Sarah um, not exactly.
0: I'm sure there are mistakes and darkness sets 3, free. But to be honest, I wasn't really looking for them. I'm more <laughs> looking for the, just the overall like things that need to change. There's enough um, going on already. <laughs> <laughs> but I did think that I would um, go through some of a series screw ups for texting, which oh, no. are always quite amusing because. Um, so my husband and I will often text each other when we're in the car by using Siri, because like, we have our phones connected to our car, obviously. So we'll just like press a button on our steering wheel and be like, hey Siri, you know, can you text my husband? Da-da-da-da-da. And Siri so will go and try and do the text. But so often it's my husband texting me, and <laughs> I thought I'd read to you this conversation. <laughs> So this one was actually when we were both at home, which is kind of funny. We sometimes text each other if um, our daughter's asleep so that we don't wake her up. So it says, where are you? Are you coming downstairs? Are you making dinner? I don't know what happened to you. That one was fairly readable, obviously. And, you know, I said (laughs) that I was going to, my response was, I was going to shower and then make dinner. (laughs) He said, all I heard was make dinner. When will that happen? And then this is where Siri gets kind of funny. I was joking about the part, when will you make dinner part? Nothing. I only heard you making dinner party. I love you. (laughs) (laughs) And then says, sorry, Siri screwed up my message. What I was trying to say was I was only joking about the part when you said whatever it was you said, but Siri didn't understand that. So that's okay. I love you. (laughs) (laughs) And I just said, lol, dinner party. Mm. <laughs> well, it would be about 20 minutes probably before I start dinner. Okay, next one's where it gets quite funny. It says, Sorry, Siri keeps screwing up because Siri hasn't had dinner yet. This would work much better after dinner. I love you. <laughs> Which is, you're like, what's going on? <laughs> Generally how this kind of thing works. Um... There's another one that just like says nothing. It's just a text. <laughs> it just says nothing, and then it says, "Sorry, I don't know what Siri was trying to do there, but it's not what it was supposed to do." <laughs> <laughs> I love you. I have to just, I love you. Stepped on, and and then occasionally I get like where he's tried to describe an emoji and it's not worked, so it'll be like sad face with tears. Put a colon dash bracket, so making a smiley face with Julia and you. (laughs) I don't know. Put a smiley face with Julia and you? I don't know. um (laughs) This one's quite good. Hi, call me back. I've just left the school. I'm on my way to save on adventure home. (laughs) (laughs) Oh. Save on as a grocery store, but it sounds like he was also having an adventure. So <laughs> <laughs> those are just some of there's been even better ones over the years, but I couldn't find any of once he randomly started talking about this woman called Sue. So I wasn't <laughs> sure who she was. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, Suri does some amazing things. How about your mistakes of the month, Ashley? I have a
1: few. Um I did have a text one that I thought I would share. So I intended to send my husband a text where I was complaining that I was uncomfortable. I was like, oh, "I'm so uncomfortable today." Cry face. But it autocorrected to unconscious. <laughs> and he was like, "What?" And I was like, "No, no, no. Uncomfortable, not unconscious. I'm I'm conscious."
0: so that's my link to your amusement (laughs) i'm so unconscious right now it's it's like you know you're so tired that you're like (laughs) it's like a new like cool way of saying you're tired i'm so unconscious right now (laughs) (laughs) sorry that's all good um i do
1: have a couple from price of pandemonium so one of them was keep on moving i thought as the struck approached instead of truck. And I was like, oh, the struck. I like it. (laughs) Um, But the the one I referred to, I sort of in the last episode was, so I think it's from the same chapter where the struck approaches. (laughs) (laughs) So in, I think the original version, Levi's hiding with some others and he refers to we the whole way through. So like we were hiding, we were doing this, we were doing that. And then, so I'm reading it and I was like, there's no mention of the others. Like did they all hide (laughs) together? Like I'm real confused. So then I was like, oh, it must be a mistake. It must meant to be I. So, you know, changing it to I because there's no mention of the others. Mm -hmm. So then, you know, he comes out of the hiding spot um, and encounters and runs with the others across the road. I'm like, oh. Maybe they were there. So, like, change it back to we and then, like, start adding these other details. But then after, you know, the we have left um, the hiding spot, the rest of the we appear on the road later. So they've, like, teleported. (laughs) And I was like, oh, it was meant to be I. So I went back again and changed it to I, removed the we joining him. And then eventually he runs into them again on the road, so oh, okay. it was a up and down adventure of I think they were hiding together, and then you decided to make it okay?
0: they were originally hiding together, and then it was like it just had too much of um, we <laughs> <laughs> it just had too much of like random details with like the others like behind him or something and i was like they don't even need to be there really so i probably just deleted yeah. from the, that particular like moment and then didn't fix it entirely
1: so i found it really amusing especially cuz me fixing it multiple times and then making it so much worse <laughs> like oh <my> gosh <laughs> um so yeah that was the that was the main one which was quite funny the teleporting wheeze. <laughs>
0: That's just how Levo. <laughs> yeah. We. Alrighty, we I do that quite often now. Like you know how like couples become like a we after a while? Yeah. I feel like Yeah, that's fully happened for my husband and I. Or at least on my part, I call us we all the time. We'll be like <laughs> We did this. We did And that. then sometimes I'll be like, No, I just mean myself. He wasn't there. Dan wasn't there. <laughs> Or I have not gained his thoughts on this particular thing. <laughs> I guess I'm speaking for myself. Anyways, we should wrap this episode up. Yes. So, if you would like to be on an author's spotlight interview, then you can apply by going to lindisancreations.com and hovering your mouse over the podcast tab in the main menu, and it'll give you a drop down to be featured on Dear Writer. And
1: next time on Dear Writer, it's going to be one of our creative exercise episodes where we are going to play around with AI art generation, which I think will be a really fun time. <laughs>
0: yes. And so if you'd like to know more about us and our writing projects, you can visit us on lindersoncreations.com or contact us on Facebook or Instagram under the handle lindersoncreations Creations.
1: And if you enjoy the show, please rate and review us on Apple Podcasts or subscribe on your podcatcher of choice. Tell your friends about us and we'll be back next week. Happy writing, everyone.